Welcome to the season 2 of the In Your Shoes podcast. The podcast aims to get into the shoes of a person like you and me and learn from their career stories and experiences. Through this conversation, we will uncover insights and pearls of wisdom which will hopefully inspire you and expand your thinking. We're doing something different this season. Apart from a full-length show, we will also expand on topics of interest that emerge during the conversation these will be distributed as special episodes which are short targeted and provide you with the context when you are short on time let us get right into it thank you geeta for uh choosing to join this podcast today i really appreciate you giving us the time for this show Uh, thanks vivek for uh, having me here uh, it's a pleasure to be a part of this podcast so ms gita can you just share a little bit about yourself like uh, what do you do for a living where you come from so that our audience can uh, get to know a little bit about yourself sure uh, sure vivek uh, i'm uh, gita i stay in bangalore in india uh, i actually studied in a coastal district of uh, karnataka so i am an engineer basically so i have done my uh, bmtech and my phd from uh, nitk suratkal so i spent a lot of time in coastal karnataka uh, which is very different from bangalore where uh, i stay uh, including the weather and all of these things and uh, apart from this uh, i've been you know into the teaching profession i've traveled a lot uh, i've been to different uh, countries i've delivered lectures in india and in countries abroad uh, and i actually was in botswana for quite some time i used to teach at the uh, polytechnic in botswana mm-hmm. and yes i also teach uh, maths for school children which is just a passion of mine to Uh, you know teach children how to interpret maths and to understand maths so this in brief is you know what i am thank you so much so uh, geeta what brought you to this profession like why did you choose this profession uh what happened was when i was uh, in my school um i used to see a lot of schools with no teachers or uh, i used to see a couple of schools with just one headmaster who used to actually manage a couple of classes and you know he used to have a tough time uh, managing these classes um, all alone single handedly so i was wondering why you know why is it that we don't have um, you know so many teachers in schools and also uh, among my classmates i used to find there were so many who couldn't understand what was happening in class apart from this uh, i had um, you know classmates who had studied in the local language and you know they after a few classes in the local language they came and joined the english medium school and for them understanding uh, anything and everything in class uh, was actually a tough call hmm. so i used to teach them uh, in the lunch break you know especially english uh, was a major problem for them they couldn't understand and as i grew uh, in my engineering classes i used to have a lot of my seniors who used to teach me and this pure learning was great so i felt uh, you know that 
teaching is something you know which encompasses so many of these domains you know including teaching people who don't know much or learning from somebody who's already learned so much so that is what kind of pushed me into this profession apart from this my uh, dad um, you know was a teacher he continues to teach uh, and my grandfather was also a teacher so probably even you know <laughs> teaching was running in the family as well so you know multiple reasons for me taking up uh, teaching as a profession and i've also realized it's quite fulfilling and you know it's kind of satisfying so hmm what i liked very interesting about what you said was like you observed how students were reacting when they're being taught in schools and the lack of good teachers uh what aspects and what part of the teacher student interaction that you found interesting enough that this is what you chose as your focus area for the last 30 years so if you could just spend the time between the two teacher and student interaction so that it really gives us a view of how you how you perceived it how you saw that in the earlier part of your life uh, which actually led you to this inspiration that you had to get into this field and you had to do, do things differently to really make an impact to this life yes a uh, couple of things actually uh, happened during my school days so we used to have some teachers uh, you know who were very good and who would actually reciprocate and you know understand what the student wanted and uh, there was also a different kind of learning but we also used to have um, instances where you know students couldn't ask questions they couldn't learn so then they used to seek help from other students themselves so that's when i felt that even pure learning was adding value to these students but some of the teachers whom i had you know whom i still cherish you know some of them are no more now but the way they used to teach in class especially mathematics the way they used to teach in class they were able to interpret and related to a practical application and that is what used to matter to so many students because they were able to understand what the teacher was trying to convey so related to a day to day situation it could be science or social studies so when you feel you are a part of the learning that is when you know the uh, you know the kind of interest in a class gets generated and these are the teachers who actually inspired me um thinking that yes relate everything to a very small thing in a day to day activity and that kind of you know makes you remember things uh in a way that you don't have to do it by rote learning or by memorizing so this is what actually inspired me a lot when teachers were teaching me i i think that's it's a really really interesting point um and i i want to spend some time there so you mentioned about i would say prevalence and something that i'm kind of taking out from what you said and also for part of my experience growing up in that part of the world is there's a prevalence of rote learning and less emphasis on this experiential and connecting to the day to day things uh from your point of view why is that the norm why is rote learning is an is a norm instead of the experiential and this peer based learning which you really felt were a good 
alternatives to what has been uh, happening so far uh basically uh, our uh, education you know the way our education system is uh if you know having traveled across the world i've seen that the way we need to learn is by doing things so most of the time we get pushed into a classroom where you know we you have a curriculum that is prescribed it could be in school you know it could be in the smallest class as your second standard or third standard or third grade or fourth grade so we have a curriculum we have a structure and somehow i have seen uh, you know there are very few who would actually like to go out of the textbook learning and you know probably spend a little more time in encouraging the students to even discuss among themselves or even comprehend about the session and uh, what i also see is that the student doesn't know in advance what is going to be taught in today's class so it's always good for you know uh, the teacher to tell in advance that you know this is what we are going to learn so the student actually even if he doesn't read he can probably recollect his experiences or get a feel for what is going to happen in the class and uh, we don't have as much uh, activity based learning so i think you know including these activity based learning like for example uh, visiting a nearby grocery store or if a student has been going to a grocery store if the teacher can ask how did he actually you know end up paying money to the grocer and then you know getting the change back that will actually make mathematics so simple it is just addition and subtraction so i think experiential learning has to be included right from school days which i haven't seen you know in our education system i think that is what matters a lot and uh, teachers of late you know you know they get bound by these like there's no autonomy there's lack of freedom so they need this freedom to be able to inculcate this experiential learning in the classrooms that actually makes a lot of sense uh, you mentioned that in order to promote experiential learning you would like to see teachers getting uh i would say more autonomous and also more freedom to do pursue that uh, aspect of learning what else do you see that could help uh experiential learning become more a norm and a common thing in the indian education society yeah uh, so and uh, the other thing yeah uh, to uh, you know answer your question we focus a lot on the you know grading system the marking system uh so it's always uh, an objective kind of a system it's like you know the student writes something and then you mark it and then you give marks it's always good to have a part of the assessment as a subjective assessment as well you know i've seen students who are not able to write exams you know who who really cannot do it but we've never uh, tried to understand why the student is not able to write an exam or why he or she is not able to score marks in the exam so it's not uh, you know a cup of tea for everybody so the cause for the problem is uh, really not well understood so from my past experience as a teacher that's what i've seen you know when they express uh, i realize there are multiple reasons for students not being able to write exams 
So at the end of the day, our measuring stick is only that marks card. So for some time uh, they had included this grading system, which is you know subjective. But then uh, some um, teachers felt that the subjective system was becoming very biased. Uh, so unless we draw the line, you know, to understand how well the subjective system can be used and you know can be used as a measure, uh, it becomes very difficult. So that is what pushes student to a rote learning mechanism because he all he wants to do is clear the exam, get marks, and then you know go somewhere. So we miss that learning curve in itself. So I think the assessment also should change if the teaching mechanism has to become experiential learning. Otherwise, you can't assess the person, you know. If he's learned how to do maths in a very different way, there's no mechanism of assessing it. That is actually so true. So, so right. I want to actually go back to the point about this whole experiential versus rote learning and just explore this topic a little bit with you because I think there's a lot of value in what you just said. Um, what do you feel and what do you see as the degenerative or the negative effects of rote learning for a particular student in their future. So for example, if a student has always been asked to go through this process of rote learning in the earlier part of careers and they grow up and they land up a job or a profession, how do you see that whole experience of going through the rote learning shapes their thinking in their careers and in their future? Uh, well, very interesting uh, question and uh, yeah, multiple answers to this. That uh, if a student goes with rote learning, okay, uh, there are times when he or she is not able to think differently. Um, just as an example, you know, if you have a subject which has a whole lot of formulae which a student has to actually remember. He's wasting so much of his productive memory power in trying to memorize the equations. And uh, he fails to spend so much of time in trying to understand how and where he could use these equations. Where in fact, as you, you know, when you are employed, you really don't need to remember any of these equations. If you've understood them, if you're able to interpret them, there's always a handbook which can give you the list of equations. So I believe that when we are assessing a student, it's good to give a cheat sheet kind of thing, which I generally used to you know, suggest that you give the formula sheet in itself so that the student has understood the equation or whatever is required. Let him not memorize and waste his memory power in remembering this. And if memory fails in the exam, then he messes up that entire question and he ends up getting less marks and then that becomes detrimental to the student because he didn't do well but it's not a fault of his you know because he couldn't remember the equation so i think that you know when we are uh, assessing students it's good that we interpret whatever is required and provide them with this information which he need not remember so that expands his thinking ability and that uh, you know, kind of percolates in his workplace because he is able to interpret and do differently. So if you're given the cheat sheet, uh, you know, you'll find lot of students would be solving the same question in different ways because they're able to spend time in doing the sum, not in recollecting the equation. Uh, 
so this actually i've seen has a lot of effect in their performance even otherwise it could be in project execution it could be in just delivery it could be in solving non technical problems as well so this really adds value to the education uh, apart from this uh, i also would think uh, students and you know whoever is learning they should get involved in activities which are very different from their curriculum like if it's a technical course then they should be doing some literary activity where they are able to bring out their creativity think about solving problems in different ways so this also adds value to their experiential learning will help in their profession as well hmm i think it's it's a very interesting point and i think so rampant at least in the times that i was growing up uh, in india um i think it's also an aspect around families and parents um perhaps i would be wrong at this point in time but at least the time where i was growing up being more focused in getting the grades that they think their kids should have instead of really directing them to the experiential based learning so what i would like to learn from you is how do you see the role of a of a family of parents in this process especially in the field of education to steer young kids and young children from rote learning to experiential based learning yes uh, i think you've raised a very good point uh, you know this is again uh, a big question mark of you know uh, it's like the chicken and the egg you know what should be first so i think both will go hand in hand so it's always good to even speak with parents you know be it school or be it uh, a college or an institution uh, it's always good to even address what parents feel whenever i've spoken to parents uh, they also uh, some of them are actually not very happy with the rote learning as well but what happens is they they get you know involved in the entire system in such a manner that there is no way out for them or for the children so uh, it should be uh, a complete involvement of all the stakeholders so when when we are do you know trying to change the assessment or you know trying to say that there should be a subjective evaluation so there should be you know uh, probably a feedback system feedback mechanism asking inputs from parents it's not that you know everything can be incorporated into the entire system because they'll have their own problems of you know running the entire um, educational system but i think taking feedback from stu- uh, you know students as well as parents and uh, it's not a difficult task to actually convey and tell them that this is you know going to be an okay way of doing things or you know it will actually help their kid but most of the time uh, it's more like the other person is doing it so if my son or daughter doesn't do it will he fall back in his education will he not get what he wants this fear is there in parents so you know that is why i think most of them you know try to push the kid to do something where you know all the other children are uh, also doing so i think involvement of all stakeholders to understand what is it that they want what is it that 
we can deliver from the education system i think that will really add value and most parents are open to it it's just that they are unable to you know get this change up and running in any of the institutions yeah i think that's a very very good point um the sense of fear and that this fear creates the the pressure for the parents to uh also start expecting rote learning from their from their children from their from the kids um i want to pause on this topic for a minute because there's sort of a lot of valuable part here but i want to just circle back to your life and as an educator um so from your ex- from your day to day experience as an educator as a teacher what are the different challenges that one has to go through on a daily basis and if you can share those challenges in terms of being an educator being a teacher sure uh actually uh, most people think that you know uh, teaching is kind of an easy task you know getting going to a class and delivering but uh, it, it isn't so uh basically because you you could be teaching the same subject but the audience would be different and if you have about you know 60 to 70 uh students in in a class that's generally the batch size uh, you will find a totally heterogeneous crowd of students in the class and uh, you know if you try to cater to one set of students the other set of students will not be able to comprehend so uh you know being able to prepare uh, for different kinds of um students in the audience and i'm saying if you are teaching the same subject for over 5 to 6 years every class is going to be a new class and the kind of doubts that uh, you know students ask provided they encourage to ask you know i i think that's another important thing in our system that we should uh, encourage students to ask questions so teachers also actually become learners uh, so there is a fear in some of the teachers you know who think if the student asks too many questions maybe i won't be able to answer them so this is actually a challenge for a teacher to be able to prepare you know themselves for the kind of questions that students ask them this is a great challenge apart from this uh, also relating uh, you know the curriculum to something else that also is a big challenge you know i think that needs a lot of preparation for a teacher plus the assessment and the grading system yeah that is again a big challenge for the teaching profession i think what you just shared are really valuable and i think one of the aspects which really stood out for me in, in your in your cha- in your exp in your stories about challenges is the aspect of a teacher is also learning as they are teaching and i want to just spend some time on this aspect of the teaching profession itself how do you feel uh, teachers and actually individuals who have been teaching or who want to get into teaching really change their mindset about this whole aspect of you know as you teach you're also learning and you don't get into this fear that you're being asked a question that you do not understand what has been your process through this and what do you think people can do to be able to shift that mindset of a teacher does not need to know everything 
but they're also learning as the process of teaching is going on. Uh, yes, uh, I think basically the teacher has to trust the student, you know, so the faith in the student, most of the time, you know, we assume when the student is asking a question, the teacher shouldn't assume that, you know, the uh, student is actually questioning uh, the knowledge of the teacher or he's trying to test the teacher. So that isn't the view with which the students are asking questions. It's basically they wouldn't have really understood. And there are times when students would be sitting in a class where they're really not interested, you know, he or she wouldn't want to be sitting in that class, but they're still there. And uh, as they listen, they realize they're really not able to understand what the teacher is trying to tell. That's when they start asking questions. So I think, uh, you know, as a teacher, we need to have faith in that entire class. And also that, you know, we should be able to read uh, much more than what is required for that class so that, you know, we are well prepared, assuming that most of the questions we are able to answer. Uh, and if we are not able to answer, it's always good for a teacher to say that, you know, he or she doesn't know the answer and they'll always get back to the student the next day. The student is very happy when the teacher is honest and tells the student crowd that the teacher really doesn't know this because they also know very well that teacher will not know everything. Hmm. But the teacher doesn't convey this and, you know, tries to evade the question. That is when the student will actually lose faith in the teacher. So I think the most important thing for the teacher is to be able to trust the student so that the student in turn will also trust so much with the teacher that when teacher says, I don't know the answer to this question, maybe he'll bring an answer to the class the very next day. That could be a very nice thing. You, know, you can always ask the student to bring answers saying that you don't know the answer. So please see if you can find out and come. So that is how, you know, I think this challenge of not knowing uh, an answer to the student's question can be probably addressed by the teacher. Hmm. That's really insightful. So, um, Ms. Geeta, what are the different skills that a person who chooses this career as an educator or teacher needs to have, needs to build? And if you could share these skills that you felt has been useful for yourself to thrive in this career for that long. Uh, yes, uh, most of the time, uh, you know, when uh, teaching is considered as a profession. So whoever wants to, you know, become a teacher or generally this interest uh, kind of starts uh, quite early from you know my past experience from when I've seen and I've spoken to people they say yeah they would like to be a teacher so it could possibly be you know a reason that they weren't able to understand so much in class that they would like to be you know able to deliver or they are not very happy with the system that they would like to bring about a change so they would like to you know become teachers so these are the kind of people who think you know um, teaching and getting into academics uh, this is good for them so what uh, probably would help uh, people who are interested in being a part of this profession is uh, interacting with 
people in whatever manner you know of course now in the pandemic times i'm not very sure how this um, actual physical interaction would take place even if it's a virtual interaction but you know basically understand the needs of the person that is when teaching will actually add value so it isn't about you know we make a curriculum we make a course and then we deliver it uh, not even thinking whether you know the audience is happy getting this kind of curriculum or not so we say there is a need assess assessment that is um, you know required so the first thing that you know a person who would like to become a teacher is to be able to understand you know what exactly would a person need because at the end of the day i believe that teaching is just not about delivering a lecture in a classroom it's making a proper individual or a citizen or a member of the society which goes beyond the classroom so if you know people can actually relate to their own local environment you know that's uh, going to add value to their interest in becoming a teacher so i think the experiences with different people to be able to convey well you know to be able to speak and talk that also is a requirement um because at times uh, you know when i have seen in classes maybe your preparation you will actually run out of material for a one hour session mm-hmm. so you should have enough material to be able to handle the class for the entire duration of one hour so uh, you know a teacher should also look at talking about other things apart from what is there in the syllabus so that's when reading a lot having lot of other experiences will also add value to a teacher that it becomes kind of a wholesome learning not only the curriculum based learning hmm i really liked all of the points that you mentioned and to also a certain the aspect of this modern learning that we are talking about uh these days we have people who are not just learning in in schools and universities in the traditional form but they also learning from online like the online courses youtube um access to the knowledge is now like rampant you can have anything anything available to you at in 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 few seconds so with this upsurge in the mediums in which a student can access information and can learn how do you see this um influences on the skills that a teacher needs to have in this new age especially with now we're talking about teachers moving to online using zoom or hangouts to run classes and to run sessions what has that how has that influenced the skills that you would like teachers to have uh i think it's a very a uh, very relevant uh, question vivek and uh, i would be really happy to answer this uh, question in you know whatever uh, way i think is uh, you know kind of relevant to what's going on now so uh, i think uh, what the skill sets that are required currently you know if you are looking at the skill sets we uh, look at uh, any person to have multiple skill sets unlike in you know the days about 10 15 years ago so with technology uh, you know advancing so much the expectation from you know the person who recruits uh, 
whoever it is you know who is going to be an employee or the employer so their expectations from a person are that they should have multiple skill sets so if you're looking at the current scenario these uh, virtual classes and you know the online courses they are actually supplementing this but at some point of time the real classroom learning i think can really not be replaced so all of these things will uh, you know add value they will supplement and for a person who is already you know done his graduation or who is already you know gained some kind of a knowledge in a particular area these are classes which will add value you know to whatever he's already learned or it will supplement his learning so that way having these virtual classes online classes that is very good because they can learn anything from anywhere and supplement their already existing learning or the graduation or the certification which they already have apart from this uh, the reach has uh, actually become a genuine problem especially you know i'm looking at areas uh, here in india in karnataka or near bangalore where i stay i still think that you know the access to these uh, you know virtual platforms the access to uh, improving their skill sets in the rural areas i think that access is you know still lacking probably if that can be built then it will be good otherwise most of the time all of these courses are accessible to people who already have the resources mm-hmm. so they are just grooming themselves over and above the knowledge that they already have so if there's an engineering graduate then you know he or she is adding values skill sets to what they already have but i think uh, if we improve the reach and you know provide these resources to people who don't have access that will probably add more value to the teaching and the learning from the virtual classes but i would say it's a supplement to learning for people who want to you know jump into different domains it adds value but i think the basic learning has to be you know kind of a classroom learning hmm and if i just want to stay on that point for a moment uh for a teacher to be able to embrace these mediums what would be the areas of expertise and experience you would like them to have like for example i have often spoken to teachers who have not been able to adjust themselves into leveraging hangouts and zoom and and all these mediums to undertake their classes and the sessions and they also feel challenged to be able to communicate in that forum where they don't have a face to face access to it but rather over a medium uh, and on and and for these teachers who are coming from the traditional forms it has been a challenge so do you see any specific skills that they should acquire to be able to embrace and also thrive in this new environment yes uh, that uh, actually again boils down to teaching and training so it's very true uh, you know that teachers have not been able to you know adjust to this kind of um, teaching methods um, yeah the face to face you know discussion or the interaction with the student is not there so teachers i felt were not enabled 
because uh, it would have been good if some kind of training was incorporated uh, into their you know initial stages of them you know taking up virtual or online classes uh, because i knew um, i i know for a fact that there were a lot of people who didn't have uh, access to computers in itself you know leave alone the virtual classroom or using zoom or any other platform so they didn't have maybe they had but it wasn't a regular access to computers so you know getting used to uh, probably computers were more used as a mechanism for you know drafting question papers documentation and things like that so i think for um, teachers it was definitely a major challenge uh, probably training uh, you know and i think people who are in the industry the it sector they can actually form consortiums of you know taking up this as a csr for them to be able to train the teachers teach them what are the platforms that they have always been using right industry has been uh, you know using these mechanisms for quite some time so if industry can reach out to the educational institutions by forming consortiums and you know training teachers that is very important then they would be able to do this it is definitely a challenge i think again teaching and training these teachers so train the trainer is what we tell you know i think that has to be emphasized and prioritized uh, you know probably then they will enable hmm thank you thank you so much for sharing that so ms geeta i want to take a segue now uh to another part of a conversation so every profession career job and line of work has its own stereotypes so these are like perceptions from usually people outside that profession or that career and who who have a point of view about it sometimes they are absolutely wrong and sometimes they have some truth behind it from your vantage point what has been the stereotypes that have been attached to this line of work yeah uh i think uh, i've covered some of the stereotypes in the course of the conversation but uh, you know probably to add to what i've already uh, spoken one part was the you know rote learning and enabling you know probably you know thinking out of the box and you know so they think that some of these things uh, kind of uh, you know get tagged on to a teacher that this is how you know the teaching profession is and at times i have also found people thinking that the teachers are lazy so which uh, isn't uh, actually true um the other part of uh, the teaching profession from what i've seen is uh, you know it gets uh, kind of involved in research as well so uh, you know teachers at some point of time are expected to publish um, papers you know do research and you know they are quantified by the number of publications which uh i think you know kind of starts becoming a, a stereotype because research need not always be a publication research could be you know reading a lot more on the particular topic that they are delivering so research is just about doing something different and learning something different so uh, that is uh, you know another part of uh, stereotyping where they, they think that you know teachers are you know supposed to be doing this kind of r and d and it becomes a mandate uh also uh, the other thing which i have observed is uh, you know going home late after hours you know kind of after you know you work beyond the working hours and you know they they think that you know 
this is kind of an okay thing to do as uh, a teacher, which, um, you know, I think is actually stereotyping for some of these activities. Apart from this, I also look at, uh, you know, students. So if there are uh, the other side of, you know, stereotypes is if there are there are students who actually fail in one or two subjects or they aren't able to take uh, exams then they, they also kind of fall into that uh, you know stereotypes where uh, I think it's not right to be categorized that way so these are the two sides of you know on one side it's the perception for a teacher on the other side it's the perception for a, a student Thank you so much for sharing that, uh, Ms. Geeta. All right. So we are almost at the uh, rear end of our conversation, but I want to, uh, I don't want to end this without asking you this question. Like if you imagine there are people who are listening to this podcast and they have some idea about teaching and they feel that they could be they could pursue this as a career but they don't know where to start they don't know what experiences that they should have what should what should they study what would be your advice for them uh see teaching is uh, you know being able to do it in whatever studies they they have already started like you know it it could be in the science domain or it could be in the arts or in whatever field they are so uh, it doesn't become very specific you know so uh, it would be good if you know a person who is really interested in becoming a teacher starts to participate uh, you know more actively uh, in their current um, scenario itself so if somebody is doing graduation and then you know they want to become teachers then it's always good to uh, you know, have them participating in delivering lectures or seminars or even doing peer tutoring. I found peer tutoring actually enables a lot of, um, you know, students to probably continue that as, uh, you know, teachers. I found this in my experience. Uh, so also understand the needs. Like, you know, I, I mentioned this before. So if somebody wants to become a teacher, then it's also um, required that they try to understand because now they are students, so they really know what they want. So when they become teachers, they should be able to actually cater to what they were not able to get or what they were able to get from a particular teacher. So I would say uh, understand, feel for the needs of a person, you know, wh wherever the teaching is uh, required. Also understand to a certain extent the relevance uh, in their, you know, local society and, you know, how they would like to see teaching as a profession and also be able to convey to the audience. So communication and uh, having additional knowledge apart from what they're learning. Also uh, managing several activities along with the teaching. Like if you are in the science domain, can you do something else in the liberal arts domain? So that will actually add value to the holistic learning of a student. So a person who would like to be a teacher, uh, you know, kind of needs to have this wholesome passion for grooming an individual uh, to be able to do different activities and also become a good person in society. Hmm. I think the last one was really important, especially around having this holistic view instead of just very niched and narrow view of things. 
And I, I think also from my experience as being in industry, I felt that people who come with that wholesome experience really thrive and can connect different ideas together and actually work and bring more interesting solutions um, than people who perhaps having this very narrowed and very niched view of things. So I, I really enjoyed that part of your your uh, your advice for, for future educators. So Ms. Gita, we are at the end of this show and I wanted to ask you if you have recommendations for our audience, like especially around books and podcasts or blogs, anything that you feel has influenced your life uh, that you could, you would like other people to know about? Uh, yes, uh, I think um, reading adds a lot of value, uh, you know, for a person who wants to become a teacher, it could be anything. It could be reading uh, a magazine in their local language and you know to be able to read newspapers on a regular basis you know being connected with what's happening in the world because i've i've seen a lot of uh, you know students very curious to uh, you know to be able to talk to the teacher about some incident that's actually happened in society so i think for a teacher it's good to read anything that comes their way it will really add value specifically some of the you know, uh, not exactly specific books, I would rather quote a few authors uh, who've been able to write in very, very simple uh, language uh, and for a person to be able to relate to, you know, what's happening in the current society. And it's not even about uh, what happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or what's happening now. So these are uh, beautiful short stories written by some specific uh, authors which kind of fits into uh, any strata of society to be able to you know read and understand so some of them are Shekhov uh, I've uh, also liked short stories by Oscar Wilde then uh, Chinua Achebe is a is an excellent Nigerian uh, writer very nice short stories and you'll be able to actually relate to a lot of these um, you know societal uh, good things and not so good things and uh, very specifically R.K. Narayan whom I really admire for his writing so rather than specific books I would say these are authors uh, whose stories have actually mattered to me. Hmm. I will try to leave these names in the show notes so that other people can find them. Thank you so much, uh, Gita. I think this has been amazing to talk to you and someone who has this wealth of experience in this field. And I really appreciate you and your time uh, to come over on the show. So before we end, uh, could you share what would be the right medium for people to reach out to you in case they have questions and ideas to share with you? Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, so I think uh, anybody who is interested in connecting with me, they can always do so on LinkedIn. All right. So I will leave also the LinkedIn address in the show notes so other people can find you. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Vivek. Thank you so much, uh, Gita. I think this has been wonderful. And I hope you have a fantastic day and fantastic year. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Uh, same to you, Vivek. Let, let's keep connected. Thank you. Please subscribe the podcast in your shoes on the podcast channel 
including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and others. To know more, please visit www.inyourshoes.com. That is, I N U R shoes.com.